fish on. Hey, Radcast is on. Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast Outdoors. From the Porter's 10Cast Studio, here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards. Welcome to another episode of Radcast Outdoors. I'm Patrick Edwards. I'm David Merrill. And we're here today for an episode that I'm super excited for. You've been talking about this one for a while, so I'm, I'm excited to be here too today. Yeah, so I'm friends with this guy named Blake Fegler, who I have here in the studio. Blake, how you doing? I'm doing good. How's it going? <laughs> going well. Uh, I saw his post on Facebook, and I was like, man, we got to have him in to talk about this story, to share it with the world, because it is something that really kind of touched my heart, and uh, so I'm very excited to do this. So, Blake, you know, tell us about the programs and different things that you're involved with. First of all, Pursuit 307, tell us all about that. Yep. So I, uh, I was born and raised here in Wyoming and, uh, lived growing up hunting and fishing my whole life. Uh, at a young age, I started a 307 pursuit in hopes of actually wanting to be a guide and an outfitter down the road. And to start off, I started making hats and sweatshirts and shirts and different things like that. And all of a sudden it started blowing up. I just did it to start with myself. And then everyone else started wanting, I'm like, dude, can I buy this? Can I buy that? Like, well, Kept making orders and orders and orders, and it just blew up. Finally, down the road, I had a bad guiding experience with someone that I uh, learned that outfitting might not be where I wanted to go. And actually, at the age of 17, I was still in high school, um, I got the opportunity to guide for Hunting with Heroes Wyoming, which is taking out wounded veterans. So that's how it all started, and I did that hunt guided 100% by myself as far as scouting, you know, taking care of the animal everything and that's where it started out and that hunt definitely changed my life and now that's why I go with the, the route I do now so all the guiding I do is strictly out of volunteer work and now I sell you know 307 pursuit swag and I take all that money just for the purpose of taking either kids out or wounded veterans and so that's kind of the the background of my business 307 pursuit you know I'm also on our local chapter for the Muley Fanatic Foundation here in Fremont County and every year for the past, I think we're going on going to be year four next year, and we get complimentary game and fish commissioner tags. So with that, uh, myself and Rowdy, we've Rowdy Anderson, my buddy, he uh, we got this started three years ago, and we get to pick, we get a handful of these tags, and we get to pick the area and the species we want to go hunt. So the very first year we started out, we started just easy with the uh, area 97 antelope tag right here in our backyard, and said let's test the waters with this. You know, with Muley Fanatic Foundation and partnering with Holy Pursuit Dream Foundation where they find a kid. And uh, it was a young man that had cerebral palsy. He had 98% of his body loss was gone. So he couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. He was in a wheelchair. Easy hunt as far as antelope goes. But as far as uh, how it was with the hunter, it was extremely difficult and unique and rare. Uh, But again, that was another one of those hunts that changed your life. And you're like, we got to do this again year after year. So the next year we we added an elk hunt and then that late season mule deer hunt. And then this year again, we did a a red desert elk hunt. We did another antelope hunt and then this late season mule deer hunt again. So putting the U in the hunt program started eight years ago with the Mealy Fanatic headquarters. And that was pretty much the whole story behind it is, you know, getting these kids out that most definitely deserve an opportunity, a once in a lifetime opportunity for anyone. And uh, just giving back and, over the years, I think they've done 74 youth hunts now over the last 
eight years, and this last year in 2020, we did 18 of them. So oh. getting a lot of kids out uh, in the outdoors and experience some things, you know, adults never get to do, even adults here in Wyoming. So really special. It's something I love to do every year, the hunts that I look forward to every year more than my own. So uh, I really enjoy it, and I think we're going to keep getting better and better every year and doing more hunts, so I'm excited. So how many years now does this make it that you've been doing this? Oh, just for kids, this will, this was our third year. Third year. For Holy Pursuit Dream Foundation. Awesome, and we've got some guests on the phone. We've got Jacob and Leroy New. So guys, say hi to everybody. How you doing? Doing good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's good to have you guys. And uh, I want to really focus in on your story. The story really stuck out to me. I was telling Blake, just from past experience in my life, just being able to take people out that have a hard time getting out and just kind of your story of uh, kind of how you came to this point, getting to go on this hunt. I want you to kind of set the groundwork for everybody of, of how all this came to be and what the struggles have been. Okay. I'm from Saluda, South Carolina. I was, uh, I'm 15 now. I was seven years old when I got leukemia, free beat. We battled that for about three and a half years. I'm in total remission today. In total remission, what, 26 days? 26 days they had him in total remission. But he still had to keep doing the treatments for three and a half years. So what he, what he had is 100% curable. It just wasn't treatable. So that's the, that's the good thing we can thank Lord for. Well, we're, we're glad you're here. And uh, let's hear a little bit about this hunt and what, what spurred you to come out and sign up and come do this. Me to come out there just to shoot a class mule deer. It's always been on my bucket list. It's just an amazing animal. So we uh, signed up with the Holy Pursuit Foundation and uh, flew out there. So, you know, the mule deer is one of those things. I'm assuming you're a hunter and you've you've been into hunting for a while because where you're from, you don't have these giant mule deer bucks like we do out here. So what, what kind of got, got you into the hunting? He hunts every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the difference around here. We have a very long deer season turkey i mean we so you can hunt anything around here it's not like wyoming where everything's a draw hunt here you just buy a hunting license and you go at it and i've had him in the woods since he was three years old hunting or fishing we've been outside he loves the outside that is that is the best place to be is outside it (laughs) is it is well and you said that you got to do the uh kind of the dream of killing a big mule deer buck. I'd say you definitely accomplished that with this one. I saw the picture and was like, oh, my goodness, that is a giant. So Pictures, pictures do it no justice from what I can see. Of no, I, I, I told Patrick before it started, too, I said, yeah, you might think it's a big deer, but it's one of those deer that just get bigger as you get up to it, and pictures don't mm-hmm. do it justice. Yes, that's exactly right. Well, I've been exactly. hunting mule deer for 20 years, and I've killed a couple fine specimens and nothing that approaches the deer you got. So <laughs> It's bigger than anything I've seen in South Carolina, I promise you that. <laughs> so we, where, don't have, we don't have animals like that around here. <laughs> so what did you think about Wyoming as the terrain, the topography, kind of, you know, that's part of getting to go out of state on a different hunt, hunting in a new region. So what, what are some of your takeaways and impressions of just the terrain? The terrain? We don't have the terrain like y'all have out there. It's a pretty country. Uh, it's, it's, pre- it's, it's pretty country. The snow is what killed us, and then the wind. <laughs> <laughs> wind? We don't have any of that in Wyoming. <laughs> Blake asked me, man, do y'all have wind like this? And I said, no. I said, unless a hurricane's knocking on our front door, no, we don't have wind like this. <laughs> 
And, and, and even, that's me being honest. <laughs> even for a, a Wyoming resident that's lived here my whole life, that was a, a four days that was not something you could get used to. I mean, the wind was flat <laughs> blowing. <laughs> that's Every cool. day and all night. Yep. That comes with the territory in Dubois, though. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the biggest difference between where you guys live and, and your area here in Wyoming that you hunted? What's the, what's the biggest difference? The, the weather is, yeah, weather is the biggest thing. And, and just uh, the elevation that, that he was hunting at. I mean, we not, we're not used to that kind of elevation around here. Mm-hmm. I told Blake, I said, we got air where I come from. <laughs> I said, there's no air out here. <laughs> It's very, so very anytime thin. you go to a store and they sell it in a can, you know you at some thin elevation. <laughs> <laughs> I told him I needed that stuff when we were walking up that mountain. I told him, I said, y'all just cover me up with the snow and just pick me up on the way back. <laughs> I think you guys were hunting, what What was the elevation, Blake, eight or 9,000? Yeah, it would have been right at that 9,000 mark where we ended up killing the deer. Did you get to see a lot of deer on your hunt? Yes, yes, sir, we did. What would you put your number at? Maybe 100 a day, close to? Um, yeah, probably. Every bit of it. Yeah, and every you, bit of it. You probably saw quite a few good-sized bucks, too, I'm assuming. Every doe, every doe that walked across the road had a buck. I mean, <laughs> it don't happen here. Well, in here in Wyoming, you can actually see them from wide open spaces back where you guys are. You don't have near as much wide open space to look at deer. So um, I'm, no, sure, no. I'm, sure, I'm sure that was a big difference for you. A big time. I was last telling Blake and Rowdy and all of them riding around. I said, the deer around here are, are they just hear a gravel road they're crackling under the tires and they're gone. Mm-hmm. Out there, they just, okay, there's a car. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's, it's totally different. It's totally different than what we got. You know, and that's, yeah. that's another reason that we uh, choose to do this deer hunt, because not only do you got the opportunity to obviously shoot a, a great trophy-quality sized deer, but you got the whole adventure, too, as far as seeing the number of deer and also seeing elk and moose and whitetail yeah, yeah. and sheep. And, you know, it's not a hunt that you're just going to be begging to, to find a deer, let alone find a good deer. I mean, it is kind of laid back in a certain way, but you can make it as, as hard as you want it to. And we set the bar pretty high every year. We always look for something around the 180 mark or better. You know, the, the best part of that hunt is the last five days, in my opinion, are the best. So just because one day you might have had it a little bit harder, that doesn't mean tomorrow couldn't be better or the next day even better. And that's, that's what happened this year as far as the very last day it came down to shooting the very biggest deer we've seen. So, yeah. How, yeah. How hard was it to pass up on those other bucks? Oh, the first deer, I just wanted to pull the trigger on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you because he's, that first deer was the biggest one I've ever seen. So Blake said, no, that ain't what we're looking for. <laughs> and I was thinking in my mind, man, there ain't no way. Ain't no way he's big. <laughs> but yeah. I told him both. I told him, I said, we'll, we'll put, put it in your hands. Whatever you say he <laughs> needs, that's what we'll do. Well, there's even Wyoming residents that would have killed that first deer. I mean, he was just a perfect, clean 160-inch, just pretty 4 by 4 He's all rutted up, walking right across the road, and everyone's like, you pass that deer around here? First of all, here, he wouldn't have walked across the road. <laughs> that's, that's we another. were so amazed that he walked across that road. Yeah, that's the other cool thing about this hunt is, you know, a lot of these deer don't see people because we're hunting a, a, a winter range, and these are migratory deer that are coming off ten to 12,000 feet elevation where they summer, and they chase that green wave going back up to their summer range, and they don't see people, and they're from 
you know, all over the mountain. And then they come into this spot and throughout the winter and this is where they hang out. So they don't get the pressure. They don't get the hunting. I mean, obviously the big deer that have been here year around and uh, they've seen people this time of year and they smarten up, but you know, it's a, it's a cool hunt as far as low pressure. There's only 50 tags in the area, but this is a hunt that we are hunting hundred percent public ground. We're right there with other tag holders. So they're, uh, they're throwing some different variables in there, which makes it fun and interesting. There's been some really cool research that the Muley Fanatic Foundation has funded or helped or been a part of as far as just, you know, researching mule deer. And they've put in some of those wildlife crossings there in Pinedale and helped with. But some of those deer, you know, those red desert winter range deer, I mean, they migrate all the way up in the Tetons. You're talking 150 miles or so. Yep. If you uh, look at Doe 255 collared, she, uh, I think, is 240 miles that she travels every year one direction from the Red Desert all the way to Island Park, Idaho. And this is just information we had no idea until we started collaring deer. And I would have guessed that maybe, you know, from where she was in the Red Desert, maybe she was up above Boulder, maybe yep. maybe to Pinedale, maybe. Right. I didn't right. think she'd go over those mountains, down across That's another crazy. huge valley, and up over another set of mountains into Idaho. Yep, yep. If you look at uh, the Wyoming Migration Initiative, they have a book out. It, it's full of awesome information. And, you know, it's it's better, it's helping us better manage our deer as far as, you know, we used to hunt deer in an area that we thought these were local deer and you know you'd come back a month later and game and fish would fly over in the winter months and count all these deer like well maybe we're not getting the success rate from hunters so maybe we need to up the tags and that's just not the case because these deer don't come from this area and they actually don't come anywhere close from this area and that's similar to the deer you guys were hunting on this hunt exactly those, those deer are coming from long ways away to get there and they don't from where they're coming there's not roads and there's not nope. people and yep you could drive up the same road where we uh where we were hunting for this trip in say June through October. And there's not going to be, especially these specific deer, but there's not going to be the number of deer for sure. So, well, I archery hunt up there pretty, pretty exclusively. Yep. And I haven't seen a deer over one, one ten any right. archery season ever. Right. Right. But I have some cow late season cow tags and I've been yep. up there more than once. I have some this year. And every time we go, it's very difficult as a, <laughs> as a muley lover to even go on that cow elk hunt because oh, yeah. you have to try and not hit some of these big ruddy bucks oh, man. <laughs> with your truck yeah. when you're driving around. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. Just to, just to drive up the road and see a 180 inch deer off the side of the road and on public ground during season that's not something that happens <laughs> anywhere really in the state. It's a, it's a special tag and it's a lot of fun and that's why we love doing it. Well, let you know, I've been putting in for the tag you hunted for 10 years now. So <laughs> one of these years, they'll, they'll give it to me. Well, they, well, they talking, it takes forever just to get a, in, a, in a pool with it. And I'm going, man, I'd be an old man in here if I ever got, <laughs> even got a chance to even get in the pool to be drawn. Yeah, for a non-resident. I'd have to get that tag away too. <laughs> yeah, for a, a non-resident right now to draw that tag at max points is 14 years and that's wow. that's right now so if you started right <laughs> yeah. now in another 14 years max points could be 20 so wow the odds of drawing that tag as a non-resident is far from none if you're starting right now so even as yeah. a re- even as a resident i mean you almost have better odds drawing a sheep tag than you do this deer tag that's, i haven't drawn it yet that's crazy ain't no old man gonna handle that condition we walk in <laughs> and go yeah that's the other thing he's if you do no, not, about didn't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to be a little tough to hunt it too. Oh yeah, and, and I'm gonna tell y'all, Peanut did really good. 
I mean, he, he kept up with Blake and Rowdy real good. Oh, man, I can't. Now, his, his old daddy over here now, I'm going to tell you, boys, I was struggling <laughs> that last day. I was struggling. Man, I can't, oh. I can't express it enough how uh, how great it was to have you two uh, on this hunt because, I mean, we've hunted with kids that can't get out of the truck or even that are mobile, and there was no complaints and no slowing down from you two. So it was definitely appreciated and couldn't have hunted with two better guys. I could just ride around all day and just look at the scenery. I mean, y'all got some beautiful yeah. country out there. You know, the people that live there probably take it for granted, but you get somebody that comes from out of state like we are halfway across the country. It's a total different world out there compared to what we got. I thought New Mexico was pretty. That place out there is pretty. We actually planning on taking a vacation back out there. Well, that would and be... I'm coming out here just, just to ride around look at the scenery is the only thing we're gonna do you know i've always described to dubois the fact that it's crazy because on if if you're driving to dubois from riverton you look on the left hand side and it's all alpine and you look on the right and it's badlands it's one of the most diverse pieces of country anywhere and it's just so cool like you said it's just it's pretty it's almost like god painted it with a canvas you know it's just gorgeous you know you go from that desert to that high alpine it's just gorgeous you try hiking through those badlands though it looks like you can hike forever right oh it's just right over there you start hiking and you start hiking and you've made it like one percent of the way and you go there's a lot of country right here There's a lot of country up there. A lot of country that I've seen. And we didn't even see all of it. I mean, we seen roads. And like Rowdy, I think, he told me, he said, man, you could ride out here for a couple of years and never see it all. Yep. He said, it's here. So tell me about the day of the hunt. And just kind of walk us through play by play how that went and what how it was for you. Fourth day is when I shot the, my deer. Uh, so Rowdy and Blake went up the mountain and uh was gonna try to get eyes on this deer and we all stayed back in the truck an hour later rowdy came down the hill and said it's go time so we put everything on grabbed the rifle and tried to go up the mountain so we got up to blake blake said he's still there we sitting around waiting for the snow to calm down finally eased off and me and rowdy eased off the hill of the uh mountain into the bowl that i shot him in me and rowdy sit and sit and sit for about I don't know, 45 minutes probably, and the doe popped out. And uh, once the doe popped out, he followed her, came right in there, and uh, I squeezed it off the safety. I squeezed it off safety, took a shot, and he didn't go about 14 yards. He didn't. He didn't go nowhere. Yeah, it was it was one impressive shot as far as shooting uphill in the wind, in the blowing snow, 205 yards. Not a, a great rest, just shooting off a pair of shooting sticks from sticks. Yeah. We don't shoot off a stick. Yep. <laughs> We don't shoot up hills. No, we don't shoot up hills. We know better shooting up hills. And when the wind's blowing that bad, 90% of the time, we don't go hunting. We ain't hunting. Because <laughs> it's like Peanut told you, the wind's coming, we got a tornado when it's blowing like that, that steady. <laughs> Well, we don't go outside. We go outside and tie <laughs> stuff down. We hunting on our last, last agenda then. Well, in Wyoming, if you don't go hunting in the wind, you just don't go hunting. No. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've seen the four days I've been there. <laughs> yeah, we, we wouldn't have went hunting at all. Days. No, no, you would never get anything done. Yeah, so I'd say, Peanut, let's, let's, uh, let's walk through all four days as far as, you know, the hunting and kind of what we did as far as day one through day four. So first day I was with Blake, we went to the meadow. Seen a lot of deer, a lot of deer. And uh, a couple bucks fighting. And then second day, I was with Rowdy and Josh. We went to... 
you uh, you went back to that spot where Rowdy, you know, Rowdy was in a, a, a big, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, Rowdy was split off from where me and you were at on day one, and he ended up seeing a really nice deer down low on day yep. one. You know, day one we kind of like to not necessarily play it cool, but we kind of like to, you know, just set the stage as far as see our main goal is just to see a ton of deer. It's not necessarily find the biggest deer on day one. But uh, that's exactly what happened to Rowdy. I mean, the first buck he seen five minutes into shooting light was over that 180 mark. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, we didn't have service, so he couldn't say, hey, Blake, get peanut over here quick. So, you know, he watched this deer cross the road and get into private land. And his immediate reaction was this buck's going to come back into the same meadow uh, later yeah. that night. And so that's kind of how we hunted him uh that evening on day one and then again rowdy took peanut on day two pretty much to that mm -hmm. same spot to to look for that deer again yeah well day one we seen him cross that creek yeah we actually ended up seeing him come out that thicket yep we seen that buck that rowdy actually did see but he was down on the river bottom on private ground that we couldn't hunt day two i was with rowdy went back to the meadow See if we could see that big one. Ended up never seeing him. Then we seen a couple more deer, some more buck, and then third day I was with Mark and uh, Shane. Yep, and headed and to uh, he, headed to a completely different area that he hadn't been yet. Yeah, that's that's where uh, Mark and them seen that um, the big heavy back deer that the second day. That's where uh, that big heavy deer, and we seen a couple more buck. We seen one really. Uh, he wasn't good, but he had a lot of. He had a lot of stickers and pokers and all that on him. So, and then fourth day, Mark wasn't with us. Fourth day, like I told y'all, uh, fourth day, me and Rowdy snuck in that bowl and he followed that doe and that doe led him, led him the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she led him to danger, didn't she? <laughs> he led him to a 6.5 cream oil. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and another cool thing about, uh, day four that we didn't, write in any of the stories or put in any of the film was that other hunter that we ran into that other yeah. hunter yep so go ahead and tell that story uh based on how you seen him down low with the truck first and why he couldn't go to where we were going and then we ended up running into so, him again okay so uh we seen so we was all sitting in the truck you and rowdy was sitting on the mountain there was two side by sides came in there and they you know seen a six foot drift and backed up went away and then um we rowdy came down the mountain and got us and we was all about to walk up the hill and the dude pulled up and uh said there's a big deer here rowdy said yeah we done seen him we got a boy from south carolina uh rowdy said we're gonna take him up here to let him shoot him so he finally just left and uh we started walking up the hill we uh stood there and we was gonna see if the snow and the wind was gonna calm down that's what was killing us was the wind you know you don't want the wind to push your bullet blake heard something and looked up the mountain and seen the side by side so blake said take off me and rowdy we all took off me and Rowdy fin finally got away from the side-by-side, -side and we finally snuck ourselves in that little hole in the bowl, shot the bug. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's I'm definitely a believer in everything happens for a reason, and this was definitely yeah. definitely one of those things because we were sitting up on this bare knob in the brutal wind. I mean, it's blowing 40 miles an hour, and the snow's blowing, and you can't see sometimes 100 yards in front of you. And we know where the deer's at. He's in this patch of aspens, but we just can't see him in there just because the wind's blowing so hard. So we know where he's at. We just don't have eyes on him. And when this hunter comes around up on top of the hill and he's glassing into this big bowl too, and we're like, he's got actually a better vantage point. Somehow he drove around this drifted uh, road that was blowed shut that we had to hike in to get to this spot. 
And he, yeah. ma- he made it there on a side-by-side. And, you know, when I saw that, I said, but let's go. Let's go kill this deer right now. We know he's right there. You two just take off as fast as you can and go kill this deer. And, you know, it's pretty much saving grace because, like Peanut said, we were waiting for the wind and the snow to stop blowing because we actually looked at the forecast and, like, at noon it was supposed to die down. It never did. <laughs> I mean, if, <laughs> yeah, if we were waiting on weather, we would have been waiting all week up there. So seeing that side-by-side actually just gave us the motivation to to dive down into the bottom of this hole and go kill this deer, and it actually ended up working out perfect. So they were all Yeah, because we all didn't. We all done hunkered down behind a big pine tree. We was trying to get out the wind as best we could. Yep, yep. and we would have been out in the elements all day waiting for the weather yep. if we just stood up there and waited. So, you know. And, and again, he really, uh, he really did help us. I, I think the buck seen him, and then he just went back in the aspen trees and just bedded down until me and Rowdy got and we dove in that hole. Then he finally followed that doe out. So. Yeah, like I said, it actually ended up working perfect because we yeah. didn't have a visual on the deer when we started the stock. So, I mean, no. we, we were able to dive down in there and the wind and the snow and the deer being in the thick timber actually made the stock go perfectly smooth and never bumped the deer. The deer had no idea we were there and they were already down there set up 200 yards away from where the deer ended up coming out, you know, before he ended up coming out. So it worked perfect. It, uh, in the moment, we were, there's a lot of stress <laughs> to say the least. I mean, we just told this guy we were going up here to hunt. And then all of a sudden, 40 minutes later, you look up there and he's right on top of you, basically. Like he's evidently has the motivation to, to get to this spot. He's either seen the deer or knows there's a good deer in here. So we had no idea what was going to happen if he was going to try to shoot him out of the side by side right there or what. So, but like I said, it worked out perfect. It, uh, it made us go down there and kill that deer. And that's what we did. That's awesome. So how was it being right there with your son when he got to shoot the deer? It's awesome. These guys, they put the work in, Rowdy and Blake and y'all the ones that do the work. Y'all make everything look easy, but it's not. Um, people just don't understand how it makes a daddy feel to watch your son do something like that. It was, it was something different. That's for sure. I've always wanted to shoot one myself but if i can watch him shoot him i'm just as happy he did the same thing i've been wanting to shoot an elk forever and he got to shoot an elk a few years ago and i told him then you know that i'd, I'd watch him shoot him nine times over just for that same reason the same way with this mule deer it's the same way it makes him happy and makes me happy i'm glad you shared that i i feel the same way taking my kids fishing i'd much rather watch them catch them than myself um there's That's something, right. something special about sharing that with your family and with especially me being a dad i I totally understand that. Yeah, it's something different, that's for sure. I enjoyed every minute of it, just like I was, just like it was me. But you know, I'm watching him do it. He's been he's been through a lot his little life, so it does him good, and it does his mama and me good. Be to see him do things and, and get out in the outdoors, and he does good. He does real good. And Blake, it meant a lot to you too. So I want you to talk a little bit about that. Well, yeah, I mean. I'm obviously not Peanut's dad, but it, uh, it these hunts are right up there uh, with that same feeling as far as I want to see, you know, them have just as much fun as me and uh, to end the thing with shooting a 185-inch deer. Uh, at the end of the day, the score didn't matter. All I cared was, you know, how fun those guys had. And uh, that's how I look at all these hunts, you know, willing to put in the work just for them to have five minutes of a great time. And, you know, that's why we do it. It's not all about killing the deer or an antelope or elk or whatever it is in the score it's it's all about the memories and the people you meet and who they're shared with and this is definitely one of those hunts that will stand out for the rest of my life too you talked about it i saw 
little transcript of, you said it was uh, like it was God ordained kind of in a way like God made that happen and it's kind of cool how that ha- comes together sometimes when you're on a hunt or a fishing trip and things just fall in line just perfectly and that's really I mean I've been doing these holy pursuit dream foundations and they're very Christian based organization and uh, they find hunters and parents with the same outlook and I think it definitely plays a role on the hunt just because, I mean, every single one I've been a part of. For being a person that lives here in Wyoming and has hunted elk public ground my whole life, how often do you kill an elk by 9.30 in the morning and have it deboned and in the truck on day one? It's never happened to me. <laughs> I mean, every every elk hunt we've done, we've been done on the first morning of the hunt. And it's just like it's presented with ourselves. It's a it's a gift and it's, it's meant to happen. And, and I think it's just because these kids are so so deserving of it too. So right. uh, there's, there's definitely a greater power that plays a role here and uh, we can't take credit for that yeah no sir not at all that's part of what makes it so cool is that it's not something that we force and that we do Right. And it's, it's, it almost, it's almost a bad thing as far as, cause you're so confident. I mean, at, at all the time you're going into this hunt, there's no stress leading into it. You're like, it's going to work out whether we kill a deer on day one or like what we did this year and wind it down to the very end and kill the deer on the last day. We just had that mindset of everything happens for a reason and it'll fall into place in a way that we didn't know what was going to happen. And that's definitely what did happen on this one. I heard you and Rowdy make that same comment several times that, you know, it all worked out just the way it's supposed to. And it did. Yep. I had a buddy up there and I ran into him on the night of day three and he, he had a client up there. He's an outfitter. And so I didn't tell him that we had spotted peanuts deer on the night of night three, obviously we didn't tell him that. And, you know, they said, well, how big of a deer are you looking to, to find for this kid? And I said, well, we started this hunt, at, you know, looking for 180 or better. That was our, that was our standard or just something cool, you know, whether it had a drop tying or stickers or a huge three point, whatever it may be, you know, we had high standards and he's like, well, what are your standards now? Cause it's the end of night three, same thing. You go into day four, just like you started day one and you hunt hard and uh, I mean, when you lower your standards, you might hunt less hard, for instance. Mm-hmm. And that's when I think the, those great things don't happen is uh, is when you lower your standards. So obviously, regardless of what would have happened, we would have we would have killed a deer on the last day, no matter what, whether it was a, a big deer or not. So, but no. And the reason we killed those big deer is because we didn't lower our standards and we kept hunting hard. So. It, uh, it was definitely earned too. Well, I went on two different trips this year and one, you know, I, I harvested a deer day one, first sit done, right? But I went on a sheep hunt with my dad and we did 10 days and we harvested sheep on, you know, the last full day of hunting. Yep. And I'd rather shoot a deer on the last day of the hunt every time than shoot a huge one on the first day, just because when you grind it out mentally and you really hold that standard and you just keep working towards that goal and then you achieve it, it makes it that much more memorable. If you just, you know, and it's great if you've got tough situations where, you know, like you talked about your elk hunt, where you can get an elk on the ground and get it done because elk hunting is is work. Deer hunting is fun. (laughs) Remember that. (laughs) Elk hunting's work. Deer hunting's fun. But uh, again, you know, if I'd rather shoot even on an elk hunt most of the way, because I'm, I've taken the time off, I've yep. traveled all this way to go on that trip, and mm-hmm. that's got to be the same way with these these kids you're taking. Oh yeah, I mean, part of it is bittersweet when it ends at six thirty, like we had our red desert elk hunt, and we drove to the spot. We got out of the truck and we just get over a knob and there was elk. And we got on a, a stock that lasted about thirty minutes, and we passed on all those bulls. We circled around a, a different knob. 
and there was a group of about, I don't know, 30 bulls. And the big bull was in that group. That bull was on the ground at 6.30 in the morning. Was it a thrilling hunt? Did the kid deserve it? You betcha. But like I said, it's a little bit bittersweet when <laughs> you, you don't get that grinding it out feeling like we did with Peanuts Hunt. And that's why I think this one is a little bit, it stands out from the rest of them. But And I think it happened for a reason because I think uh, Jacob and Leroy, you can say it for yourselves i think you enjoyed it happening that way too oh yeah oh yeah the thing of it is your guys hunted every day just as hard as as if it was your own that you were trying to shoot at you for yourself and y'all was doing it for my baby so. well i actually That's told awesome. i actually told patrick before the show started i said dude this this win was unreal. I mean, if it was my own tag, I don't know that I would have been in that spot that particular day. <laughs> I I might have went to a different area and been hunting from the truck that day because it was it was winter. It was a it was a blizzard. Uh, I appreciate everything y'all done because, yeah. like I say, y'all didn't y'all didn't give up on him. Y'all didn't, which I know he hung in there. We stayed in there with y'all, but y'all could very easily say, "Hey, we're gonna go over here and do this," just because of the wind and the weather up and up on that side of that mountain. And we could have went to the field, and y'all could have been like, "Okay, that's what you need to do," but y'all didn't. Y'all stuck it out, and y'all y'all helped clean up, make his dream come true. And I appreciate all that. Well, even in my shoes, that uh, looking back, it's all worth it. Cause man, I'd do that again. As cold as it was, and miserable as it was, you. Uh, I would. Too. I would. I would. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I mean, even as a resident, that's a deer that I would kill to shoot myself. And man, that's a lot of fun. That's not something you get to do every day. And if you can put up with the wind for a couple hours, just cause you know that deer's gonna be there, you do it ten times out of ten. Yeah. That's right. They, it was warm after he shot it. I didn't. wouldn't worry about the cold no more. <laughs> I wouldn't much worried about the wind anymore until i got on top of that mountain walking out yep i agree man i uh i was almost to the point of wanting to go back to the truck before <laughs> that buck came out of the timber because it well, i mean i was cold i will admit my feet and my hands got cold and then yes and then that buck stepped out of the timber and the wind kind of slowly died down and it was just like it did it was meant to happen it was just like it, it was meant to happen like, that buck come out and there was and the wind slowed down just long enough for everything to come into place like it's supposed to yeah it was just it was given to us that day yes sir yeah there's something to be said about persevering and it's something that's kind of lost in our world at times nowadays that some of the best things in life are some of the hardest things and you guys can speak from just life experience going through what you've gone through, you know, with the leukemia and whatnot, that persevering is important. And if you want anything really good in this life, you've got to persevere. And I think the hunt is just another reinforcement of that, that we really, if, if we want to keep going and we want to keep pushing, there is a reward at the end, which I think is pretty awesome. That's right. So what's next on your, uh, on your list there, Peanut? Uh, what's the, what's the next big animal you're going to go after? What's, what's the new goal? Uh, since I've been out there, probably a moose. <laughs> he, he's stepping up big time. I know. <laughs> yeah, he's stepping up big time. Daddy might put the money out somewhere, I think. <laughs> well, not far from where you were, Peanut. Uh, two years ago, my wife drew a moose tag, and I got to be there with her with our boy in my backpack. And I didn't get to shoot the moose, but my wife did. And I was I had just as much fun as if I pulled the trigger. So we just picked that moose up from the taxidermist. And I'll tell you what, you better uh, save your pennies. And they're, <laughs> they're a little bit bigger than your mule deer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we seen two bulls when we was there. Uh, I mean, they they would both. That second one was really big. Um, for us being, we'd never seen one. Right. Even a little calf running around was bigger than anything we got around here. But. Yeah, they bigger than grown full cows. <laughs> but <laughs> were you guys gonna get the deer mounted, thing, sir? Are you gonna get the deer mounted? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, that's actually another cool story. Is a part of our jobs for these hunts 
through the Mealy Fanatic is lining up the the meat processing and taxidermy beforehand, and we take care of all that stuff. And I already had that lined up, and then all of a sudden, Peanut shoots this deer, and the story gets out of what happened. And I had guys hit me up saying, I'll mount it for free. I, I want wow. this deer. And uh, that's actually what ended up happening was the, the taxidermist completely said, I'm going to do it 100% at my cost. And mount this deer just because not only it's a huge deer but just because of the story itself so it's incredible what kind of uh, teeter-totter effect these kind of hunts do and they just how many people they impact just from one kid coming out hunting and that's something that's lost on our society as a whole in general and it could be a marlin or a big bass or a big moose or you know you go to somebody's house and you see this taxidermy and you know one thing i love to do and i know patrick does as well is i love to have a wild game feed right you come over and I'm going to give you mule deer backstrap that I just got, or we're going to have fresh walleye, or maybe it's Alaskan salmon that I've procured. And sharing the, the protein is great, but there's only so much of that. It, it's, it doesn't last very long. Yep. And, you know, what's exciting for me is it's kind of like a second hunt when the taxidermist calls and says, hey, <laughs> this piece is done. Because you get to bring it home, put it on the wall, relive it, and then you get to share it again and again and again. Yep. And when it means this much, I mean, I know I'm excited for Peanut to get his, his buck back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an incredible deer. And I hope it's not lost on you guys. You know, when Blake says that's an absolute monster deer that, you know, I've lived in Wyoming my whole life and I've seen a lot of big deer, but I don't think I've ever been around one that big. That is a giant deer. Yep. I mean, as much hunting as I've done, the biggest deer I've ever killed is 181 inch deer. I mean, I killed him in full velvet with my bow and he's my pride and joy, but <laughs> this deer right here, eh, he just... He blows them out of the water. This is a huge deer. The mass. He had 27-inch main beams. That's one of the things, yeah. I mean, when we saw him uh, scouting the night before, I said, those beams are unreal. And I field judged him at 26, and I thought that was just crazy because, I mean, 24 is a big main beam deer. And I said, he's he's 26, Rowdy. He's like, I don't think he's that big. And we get up to him, and he's 27. And <laughs> he's It's just unreal. And this deer has four-inch brow tines, something you don't see in mule deer a lot, five-inch bases. I mean, he's just a absolute stud. That's awesome. Yeah, and so one of the things that um, I'm going to ask you guys this question because we ask just about everybody that we bring on, but what do you think is your favorite, you know, outdoor recipe, whether it be, you know, you can talk about fish or wild game, but, uh, what's your, what's your favorite thing to cook? Probably jerky. You like jerky? Oh yeah. <laughs> we you... shoot deer all year. You know, we, we got a good season. We can shoot all the deer. I mean, we shoot a lot of deer really if you wanted to. I do a whole deer in jerky, probably three or four deer a year and not but jerky around here. Between this household, they eat it up so what's your, nothing left. what's your favorite way to prepare it i use um we use a, a marinade called moore's or dales i don't know if y'all got it out that way and then i just use cabiners on it man and that's it and they eat it they don't last they don't last make a deer on saturday and be gone tuesday <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm talking about they eat a whole deer and people are like what do you do with the deer i said they eat it <laughs> <laughs> it's gone i might take the back strap sometime and the lawns or whatever and i'll leave them whole maybe put in a um and what they call a mississippi roast or something i might do with something like that with the roast with the lawns but the rest of it goes in the jerky and they eat every drop of it that's awesome so i like the whole muscle jerky right patrick i slice it real thin put the high mountain seasoning and smoke it but the kids and the wife we make the uh we use the jerky shooter grind it and mix it and yep we can even that i like making that because i just put it in the oven on wax paper yep I don't like eating it as much. I like to, you know, tear and chew on it. It'll go through pounds Same. of the, yeah. that jerky sticks. 
my kids do the same thing. I grind it up and make it, you know, and then I turn around and it's like half of it's gone. And I'm like, what, what happened? And all the kids have like two fistfuls of jerky. And I'm like, come on guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, yeah. One of the things I've been doing the last couple of years is, uh, you know, you're hunting in fall time and you try to devote as much of your free time to that. So I process all my own stuff. And so when I hunt, I just usually cut it up, grind it, and then freeze it. And then throughout the winter and the summer, I'll pull out packages of just frozen lean ground meat and then I'll make the jerky. So then you've got fresh jerky when you're going on your next hunting trip and stuff like that. And you do it when you got more time. I actually have a really good jerky recipe if you don't mind me sharing yeah share it so for two pounds of lean ground meat you got uh two tablespoons of tender quick salt one teaspoon of ground black pepper you got one teaspoon of crushed red pepper flakes one teaspoon of onion powder one teaspoon of liquid smoke and i usually add a teaspoon or two extra of that (laughs) (laughs) and then half a teaspoon of of garlic salt and that's after it's been ground and you mix it let it sit for about 24 hours overnight and then you dehydrate it that sounds really good you ever smoke it i have tried smoking it once or twice and i mean it's just as good yeah yep good deal that is that what you put on that antelope yes it was good yeah yep Yep, that was was good that was that antelope we ate during our our trip. So peanut, what would you tell people out there that are in maybe a similar situation to you to kind of encourage them to take advantage of something like this? Don't, don't let stuff get in your way. Really. Uh, don't give up. Keep fighting. A lot of people say, you know, you're not going to be something Well, you can, you, you know, you're something. I tell a lot of people, you know, don't let nobody tell you what you can or can't do. You know, if you want to do it, go do it. I think that's good advice. A lot of people just never try. That's that's one of the biggest mm-hmm. things, just getting out there and trying. Yep. Well, good deal. Um, Blake, tell us more, like if someone wanted to get involved in any of these organizations and what you're doing, how how can we help uh, and get involved? Right. So from start to finish, these hunt are donated tags from Wyoming Game and Fish Commissioners, and they go to the Mealy Fanatic Foundation. And then from there, they're facilitated out to different foundations or volunteers to, to organize these type of hunts. So I mean, if you're donating to uh, the Mealy Fanatic Foundation and then Holy Pursuit Dream Foundation, that's another foundation that facilitates these hunts. They find the kids, they pay for their plane tickets to get out here, all the meals, all the travel, the stay, everything is including, including the processing, the taxidermy, and then the, the shipping of that too. So, I mean, everything is covered for these guys. It takes a lot of money. And uh, us at the Mealy Fanatics, we also raise money just to go towards these hunts too. I mean we probably go 500 to 1,000 miles a year doing just a handful of, of these hunts. So it does get expensive, but uh, it's definitely worth it. So um, your donations are definitely uh, appreciated to those organizations, and they're going to a great cause too. So a lot of them can, like Muley Fanatic Foundation, you just Google that, you can find it. Hunting with Heroes, you can find it that way. Yep. Holy Pursuit, yep. same kind of thing. Yep, and they're all on Facebook too. Muley Fanatic Foundation or MuleyFanaticFoundation.org is their website. And uh, as a Wyoming resident, another great thing to do is to look up the Wyoming wildlife conservation plates, the license plates. Mm-hmm. Uh, our goal this year is by the end of this year, 2020, is to sell out 2020 license plates and i think the last time i looked this morning we're like 145 license plates away from reaching that goal so we're almost there and also if you do it right now you are in the drawing to win a 6.5 creed more i think weatherby so you also get uh, a little benefit of doing so right now so but yeah all that money goes back to uh, wildlife conservation right here local that's the great thing about uh, the mealy fanatic foundation is 
you know, all of our local chapters, whatever we raise, 70% of all that money stays right here with our chapter, whether we decide to spend it here in the county or not. So your money is definitely, uh, it's, you see the return on the investment right here in your local deer herds. What we'll do is we'll put all those links in our show notes on our website so that people can find yeah. that information and, and definitely get involved and help out as much as possible. And it's probably more important than ever right now that people go out and donate just because I know they couldn't have their banquet this year, and that's yep. a huge source of revenue for them. So. Yeah, this this last March, right before the coronavirus pandemic started, our banquet was set for March 21st, and we had Jim Shockey coming. All of our tickets were sold out. Oh, I'd have to look. The last five funding cycles, we've wrote, we've raised over $150,000 just for Fremont County Deer. And a lot of that money then gets combined with different foundations and different organizations. And I mean, you can double that money. So we can, we get big projects done and something that you see, see results with too. It's not just going to a big corporation where you know. Like those deer overpasses in, in Pinedale. It exactly. was a lot of money. I mean, you're talking a million dollars in overpass, but. But you look at the results, it's went from pretty much 99% of all casualties to nothing. Yeah. There's no, there's yep. there, that, that section of highway there, the deer use them yep. and they're not, we're not having vehicle mortality anymore. I yep. know driving through there in the early 2000s, you could count. 50 60 deer driving down that road that were hit you know each time you went down the road now like you said it's just so much better so well they've also gone out and they've done fencing they've put in basically high fencing as like a corral to funnel. that point yeah. a funnel yeah so even, great projects yep. even right now you got eight mule deer get on hit on the highways every single day in the state of wyoming and every vehicle averages around fifty five hundred dollars per wreck yep so you add that up, not only are you saving yourself money, because <laughs> if you live in Wyoming, you're probably going to hit a deer eventually at one point. And, or uh, antelope. Yep. I mean, yeah. and that's the thing is these these overpasses, underpasses aren't just good for mule deer. They're good for everything. Yeah. So. I saw one recently, the Game and Fish was showing uh, video trail cam footage of you know mountain lions using it, moose using it, yep. everything uses it. And uh, I know now where we live, Blake, plenty of them get smacked on the road oh, out there. And I'm always driving on high alert when I'm driving around yep. at night. Yep. Well, I've been up horseback riding, you know, up there. Atlantic City, and we need one up there somewhere. Yeah. Just just trying to get your horse across the highway up there is scary. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there anything else you want to say about the hunt or anything like that, Blake? I think I'm pretty well set up. Um, Peanuts a rock star. That's all I got to say. Those guys put up with some nasty winding weather. And <laughs> it was it was rough for a resident, let alone guys coming from South Carolina, not used to the elevation and the wind. And you guys, uh. You guys deserve that deer hunt. Well, we appreciate everything y'all done yeah, and, and are doing. It's not what we what you've done for Peanut, but for all the kids or anything you got involved in, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. From a parent's standpoint, that's, that's a lot. Man, it's it's uh, it's my pleasure. I love doing it every year and plan on doing it as long as they'll keep giving us tags. So. <laughs> there you go. Well, guys, I want to say thank you from Radcast Outdoors for coming on and taking the time. We, you know, any anytime I see something like this on you know, social media, it's nice to see something positive about something really cool like this. And I, well, as soon as I saw it, man, it's just like, I could feel it in my heart. Just, uh, just the excitement and the happiness and just really happy for you guys. And, you know, God bless you and stay healthy. And hopefully we'll get to meet in person one of these days. That'll work. Yes, sir. So you got to come back and visit. Yeah. Come back for a moose hunt. 
<laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> That'll work. All right, guys. Well, thanks again. And uh, all right. for all of our listeners, again, you can uh, get more information on this on our website. We'll have it in our show notes. And then, of course, you know, you can find Radcast Outdoors on any of your favorite podcast streaming applications, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere that you get your podcasts. And we, we really do appreciate your help. Get on there and get you a hat because then you'll be really stylish like the rest of us. That's right. All right, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you.